0: I wanted to uh, personally double down on what Alan had said on behalf of Alan and Aaron and me, the pastors here. Uh, we are so proud of this body of Christ for your generosity and your continued support of everything that's going on. Uh, we're just, we don't know what God has planned other than to continue to lead more people into a focused life with Jesus Christ. That's our purpose. That's why we're here. And that's what we're going to keep doing. So good for you keep it up. Last week we started with a a look at the greatest of these. You know that passage that faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. And we wanted to direct our attention to becoming a loving people, personally, individually, as well as corporately. How can we increase our love? What do we need to understand? Last week we looked at chapter 13, 1 Corinthians, talked about a section of verse 7 that says that we are to bear all things and we learned that that means to cover everything in love, to believe all things because we do believe in the Father, to hope all things because we know through the Son's resurrection that he's coming back for us and we're going to be with him, and to endure all things. That in those tough times, the tough get going We get going because the Holy Spirit lives in us and he will sustain us against those days because he's made a promise to us, he will complete what he started. So this week, we're going to dig a little more specifically into an attitude, into where we need to be as we walk through our day-to-day life. We're going to talk two verses prior to 7, verse 5, in a little section that says, that we are not to be easily angered or easily provoked. That never happens to me, does it to you? Yeah, we all get provoked. This morning, a really good friend came in and said, I'm so sorry I didn't see your email in time. If you need me to get something for you, please call me. Don't email me because I don't read my email that much. Did any of you receive an email from me this week? I'm so sorry you got that. I didn't have anything to do with it. It's called a a phishing email. It's ridiculous. They're out there trying to get you to go buy cards and things. You know, Here's the thing. We all know of the generosity of this church. If I needed anything, I could go to the leadership, and I know that God would meet my need through his riches in Christ Jesus. You're never going to hear the pastors or the staff here begging. So if you get those emails, um, don't do anything with them. It made me angry. You know, now some of you, one particularly, called and said, I was actually at the parking lot ready to do something about it for you. I thought, how nice. None of them told Alan that. (laughs) (laughs) Don't things make you angry? Now, there are two kinds of anger there's righteous anger which is in agreement with God's anger toward evil, toward the things that we do in life that are in opposition to the word of God. And then there's just anger that's not acceptable to God. That's what we want to talk about this morning. And I want to start off by talking about righteous anger, because that's something that you and I should experience more than we do. But unfortunately, we experience sinful anger more than righteous anger. Let's look at two examples of righteous anger. The first one is Moses. Let me tell you a story. Many of you know it. Moses was set apart by God. He leads the people out of Egypt into uh, the wilderness area and God calls Moses up on top of the mountain to talk to him, to give him information about his expectations for his people. So Moses is up there and, and God shows the hind quarter of himself to Moses so much that Moses is shining when he ultimately comes down from the mountain. But greater than that, God takes his finger and writes on stone ten words. We call it the Ten Commandments. And he hands them to Moses. And Moses is very excited about this, that these were written by God. This is how we are to live. Have no other gods before me. Worship the Lord your God. There's only one true and living God. You know, the first half of that decalogue of those ten words is all about our relationship with God. The second half is all about our relationship with one another. So Moses has these, he's very excited, he's very happy. And then God says, now Moses, they're doing something down there that displeases me. I think I'm gonna destroy everybody. You talk about righteous anger. Moses intercedes on the people's behalf. Don't do that, God. You know, for my sake, for the sake of your people, You led them out of Egypt. You don't want the Egyptians now to be able to come back and say, well, look how bad that God is. So he said, okay, Moses, you deal with it. Maybe there was a well-worn path up and down the mountain, and Moses is coming down that mountain, and perhaps he comes around one corner, and he sees in the distance all the people dancing and singing. And it's not a song of victory. It's not a righteous song. It's a song of jubilee, but they're worshiping an idol. They've taken all the gold that they brought out of Egypt with them, most of which was given them by the Egyptians, and they've melted it down, poured it into a mold, and made a calf. Moses sees this. He can't believe his eyes. He can't believe what's happened among the people. Listen to what he says in Exodus 32, 19. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger burned and he threw the tablets out of his hands, breaking them to pieces at the foot of the mountain. I mean, that is anger. He's holding something that God wrote. I don't know if I'd have had that much gumption to do that. I mean, really? God just wrote these and I'm going to say, I hate you so much, people. There goes. It's a dangerous thing. But that's righteous anger. Why? Because they were not supposed to worship anyone other than the living and true God. Moses then melts that calf down, crushes it to dust, puts the dust in the water, makes the people drink it. By the end of the day, 3,000 were dead because of God's wrath against them. That's righteous anger. You and I should be righteously angry at evil wherever it is in the world, wherever it's taking place. We are angry about that because we're in agreement with God that God's word is true, that God's way is correct. Second illustration jumps from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It's Christ on that day that he comes to the temple, John chapter 2, verses 13 to 16. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem In the temple courts he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. Let me tell you what was really happening there. And he knew it all. If I'm a stranger from another land and I'm coming in to worship at the temple, I need to bring an offering. But I came from too far of a distance to actually bring a cow with me or a lamb with me or a dove with me, so I'm going to buy it there at the temple. So I take my currency and I go to the money changer, and he gives me a terrible exchange rate because he's going to make money off of it. And He gives me back enough money that I can go over, and, and maybe I'm purchasing a dove And so I pay the man for the dove, and I take the dove, and I go over to the priest, and I hand him the dove, and the priest blesses me, he walks out the back, comes around, gives the dove back to the vendor. Look who is making money. Everybody there is making money. That's what it's all about. And Jesus sees this, and he has so much love for his father and for what his father intended that he just can't can't handle it so he fashions a whip can't you see him just coming at people <laughs> maybe he doesn't touch a single one of them but he scares them and they flee and he even gets the creatures out of there because of his love because of his love for the father now our passage today first corinthians 13 5 says that we are not to be easily angered what does that assume It assumes that you and I cannot go through life without anger. But we want it to be either righteous anger or an anger that is subdued and overtaken by love. That's what we're after. That's what we want to see. When there's a problem in your life, and you've had them, haven't you? You remember when you lost that relationship because of anger? when you didn't get something you wanted because of anger, when you failed a class and you were angry about it, it was really your fault. You remember all the opportunities you had to do something differently? Yesterday, a football player lashed out, did something wrong. He was ejected from the gang because of his anger, and now he misses the first half of a game they'll play next. We do things to ourselves because of this anger that we cannot control. It's said that men become angry six times a week. Three of those are against things, three against people. It says women get angry three times a week. Mostly against people, not against things. I'm figuring that's three times against their spouses. (laughs) But we all get angry for different reasons, don't we? And that anger needs to be managed. Mark Twain said this. He said, anger is an acid that can do more harm to the vessel in which it is stored than to anything into which it's poured. So that anger riding inside of you is like an acid. It's going to do more danger to you than the one upon whom you vent that anger. We must learn how to control the anger. Listen to this. When your love becomes greater than your anger, then you will be like God. You will be able to express love in a situation that's coming against you. Love and anger can go together. Psalm 86, 15. But you, Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Look at that. He doesn't become righteously angry very often, and even when he does, love and faithfulness override anger. So apply that into your own heart. When something is causing you to be angry, stop right there. Is it righteous? Is it something over which I should be angry? Or is it potentially sinful? Just because it starts rising in you doesn't mean it's sinful yet. And if it has that potential, then you need to bathe it in love. I need to love him, I need to love her, I need to love them more than I have anger toward him or her or them. That's the key. Well, what are the things that make us angry? The top ten things. A survey said these things. First of all, hurt by one another. I would imagine that is the top one. That when we hurt one another, there is the potential for anger against that hurt. But here again, the problem, though it was generated by the person who hurt you, the problem now becomes you if you act out in anger against that person. You have every right if it's a righteous anger. If they've done something against you or to you that is not biblical. You have every right for a righteous anger. But if they fail to take the trash out, or if they did something else and you're becoming anger, your love needs to override that anger. You need to be able to say to yourself that they've hurt me, but I'm going to love them more than I'm angry at them. Impatience. From time to time, many of us become impatient, and it makes us angry. Unmet expectations. When you set goals for yourself and you don't meet those goals, and you become angry because somebody kept you from meeting those goals. Rejection. That's one I identify with. Growing up without a father in the home, I had an anger toward a father that I barely knew. And I held on to that anger until I was well into my Christian walk before I understood the love I needed to have to forgive him so that I could be like God in that Psalm 86, that I would be slow to anger against him, abounding in love and faithfulness and forgiveness. Envy. You want something that somebody else has, and you're angry that you don't have it. Here's the solution. Get over it. You're probably not going to have it. You may not even need it. Stress. One of the number one problems of physical difficulties in life is the stress we bring upon ourselves. Anger creates stress. Stress takes you down. Vengeance. Well, the Bible says vengeance belongs to the Lord. You're not going to get back at them. That's not loving anger. That's sinful anger. Temper. If you're hot-tempered, you need to pray more. You need to understand that, that... God will speak to you and through you to calm you down. Don't let that anger rise. Irritability. I think that's a lesser form of temper. And then lastly, fear. Because those things that we don't understand, we fear. Some situations we get into and we find ourselves fearful and it makes us angry. I had someone stop me out here between service, and he said, there's one more you forgot. He said, I get angry when I miss a two-foot putt. <laughs> I told him, I said... But that's after 13 strokes, so it doesn't matter. (laughs) How many of you have become angry as a result of one or more on that list? How many of you? Every one of us in here have, haven't we? And, And it's expected, and I think that's why God is so gracious in saying, don't let it happen easily. Don't let someone provoke you to that. I want you to learn to deal with it because there are three truths about anger. Anger can be sin. Anger is an issue of the heart. Anger can be a tool of Satan. So we need to learn how to deal with that. Someone said there are five stages to anger development. I want to walk through those with you. The first one is irritation, where you're irritated by somebody or something, and that irritation builds in you. You're just thinking about it. Okay, yeah, this kind of bothers me. Well, you move out of that first level, you go into the second level, which is indignation. Well, I'm not going to do anything about it, but it's really bothering me. I wish this thing would stop. And then that goes to a plan, wrath. Well, I think I'm going to plan how I'm going to deal with this. I think I'm going to have to deal with this because my anger is at a point now where it's leading me to fury. In other words, I'm ready. I'm going to let it all go now and I'm just going to do it and I move to rage where all my controls and filters are removed and I act out. That's the process. Sometimes, without knowing it, you go right to rage, don't you? You just move right past all those others. Last month, I was excited to go to a play that was uh, directed and adapted uh, by my daughter, who's a teacher at Southfield Christian School in Southfield, Michigan. And she, every year, puts on a play for the school. They had over 50 kids involved in this play. It was really a great play. It was Dickens' Christmas Carol. So I went on Friday night. I was really happy to be there. I was sitting on an aisle seat and just watching. And you know when you go to the movies, and before the movie starts, the M&M's characters come up, you know, and what do they say? You know, turn off your phones, don't let them, and you get on the airplane, make sure everybody puts your phone on airplane mode, all of this. So here we are at this play. An announcement comes on before the curtain rises. It says, we're welcoming here you here tonight. Is so glad you could be here for Dickens' Christmas Carol, Southfield Christian School. You know, please, there should be no... Um, Photos with flash, it would bother the actors and what they're doing. And if you would, please silence your phones. I accepted that. That's great. I left mine in the car because I don't know how many times I've forgotten to silence it, you know, and I didn't want to be that guy. So I'm sitting there. We're through the first act. We're into the second act after intermission. We're moving in that point where Scrooge is now meeting with the ghosts you know, and everything's on edge, and it's so exciting, and the makeup and the drama that's taking place, all of a sudden, there is perhaps the worst ring sound I have ever heard in my life. I don't, it's not on my phone anywhere. Somebody bought this one. (laughs) It's like a screech. (laughs) You know, and I'm sitting there, and it irritated me, okay? So I became indignant about it because it just kept ringing. There was no effort to stop it. Perhaps the person thought, well, it'll stop. By the time I find it, you know, it'll, it'll go off. It did go off. And then they called back. <laughs> and now it's ringing and ringing, and, and now I'm moving on. I'm into wrath. I'm starting to make a plan. I'm almost at fury where I'm boiling over, I, what would I have done? I mean, I don't really know how I would have acted it out. You know, go over and, and grab the item that it was in and, and run out with it? I don't think so. <laughs> but that, that just really made me angry. So I know what anger is. I know what I should have done. You know, I, I should have, when it started ringing, I should have said, Wow, I'm glad I didn't bring my phone in. I would have forgotten it would have happened. I feel so sorry for that person, you know, that that's that's happening to them now and they're going to be so embarrassed, especially when they know I use it as an illustration in a church. (laughs) (laughs) See, that would have been the loving way to deal with it. Finally, it went off. I don't know that anyone else in the place was as aggravated as I was. Why? Because I had an expectation. It's on that list. Unmet expectations. You set them in your life every single day. How fast you want people to drive. How fast you want your coffee to come from Starbucks. You know, when you need this, what you want to do this, what you expect of this person when they come to see you. If those people don't meet your expectations, anger begins to build. And it's not their fault. It's your fault to have anger over it. You need to learn how to have love. James chapter 1, verse 19 and 20 says this My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak. And slow to become angry. Here's why. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. What's God's purpose in us? To conform us to the image of his son. To make us more like Jesus. That we should have the love of Jesus. If anyone ever had the privilege of truly being angry and acting on it, it was Christ who was abused all the way through the cross but remained silent before his accusers he never allowed anger to rule why? because he didn't want to sin and he never sinned because his love was greater than his anger when you can grasp that, that my love for you, for other people, for situations that are godly and holy when that love is greater than my anger toward things that disappoint me with it then I am being a righteous person. Now, if I fail in that, I simply confess that sin and ask him to help me next time. How do you curb anger? You could probably go online and find tons of books, lots of lists. But let me tell you, the solution to me, to every issue of life, is found in Scripture. So what I want to do is I want to give you four Scriptures that deals specifically with how we are to provoke and how we are to avoid being provoked so that we can learn to put love in ourselves and and no longer be angry. The first one is Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 to 8. Listen to what Paul says. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath, or we could say anger, of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. And look what is number one on God's list. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Anger is number one. You have to get rid of anger. Let it be overwhelmed by the love of Christ that is in you if you want to become a loving person. The second one, Ephesians four twenty-six to 27, Paul says, in your anger do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold because that's where it will go. I laughingly read that and thought, oh, good, so it's better to be angry in the summer than it is the winter because you have longer to deal with it. (laughs) Proverbs 22, 24 to 25. Do not make friends with hot-tempered persons. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Peer pressure. Be careful with those people you call friends. So how are we to help one another in this Hebrews 10 24 let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds or provoke one another It's the same word in Greek toward love and good deeds we're to love one another and in that love we're to let anger subside in us so that our love is what is expressed There's a story of a a man who's being interviewed about his life, and his adult daughter is there with him, and as they're talking, he says, well, you know, I was a very angry man when I had my family, and his daughter's mouth dropped open, and she said, what? I never saw you angry. He said, I know you didn't. She said, well, how did you deal with it? He said, you know, as you come to our house you pass kind of a blind spot and then you come up the driveway he said there's an old tree down there near that blind spot said you remember that tree she said yeah vaguely he said well over the years you notice that it began to lose limbs and then ultimately a couple of years ago it was cut down totally she said yeah I I saw that he said well when I would come home in the afternoon I was always angry I was an angry man And I went out to that tree, and I started breaking off limbs and stomping on them, eventually getting a saw and cutting down the larger limbs, and took out all my anger on that, until ultimately I cut that thing down. And then I would come into the house, and I'd just be as happy as I could be. You know, so check your trees when you go home. (laughs) You see, he said, what I did was I took my anger out on the tree. So did God. He took his anger and he placed it on Jesus Christ, put him on a cross, and let him die. But his love was greater than his anger because he did it for you and me. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So his love outweighed his anger. That's how he wants us to be. But first, we have to take that step of belonging to him. You need to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You need to ask him, Lord, forgive my sins, come into my heart, and teach me how to walk with you. If you haven't done that before, you can do it right where you're sitting as we pray. And if you have done it, then your prayer should be, Lord, overwhelm me with love and remove anger from my life love one another let's pray Lord Jesus thank you for your presence with us today thank you for the power of your gospel that changes us that fills us with the love of Jesus Christ we pray for those here today who need to accept you for the first time pray that they will do that of their own and say Jesus come into my heart forgive my sins clean me up and show me which way to go. And then for the rest of us, Lord, may we turn to you in our day of trouble, and rather than becoming angry with one another or at things, let our hearts be set toward you, and the love that you have shown toward us. Teach us, Lord, how to love one another, for the greatest of these is love. We pray these things